You are now listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. Five, six, seven, eight. Holla, boys and girls, it's the BGN. Coming from the Marvel world to the DC friends. All the way from Hollywood to the PCN. She defends everyone from sleazy men. Won't apologize for spitting Shonda Rhimes. The space that we make is never colonized. We're talking games and movies and actors. Words. Better shake the booties for Black Girl Nerds. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. My name is Jamie and this episode is hosted by Ryan. We welcome actor and author Kirby Howell Batiste. Most recently, she can be seen in the Sandman TV series and in the movie Mr. Harrigan's Phone, both on Netflix. Upcoming, she stars in the heist series Culprits for Disney+, Plus, which is launching next year, and currently in the production of Sugar for Apple+, Plus, opposite Colin Farrell. Audiences also may know Kirby from Killing Eve, The Good Place, Hacks, Barry, Why Women Kill, Veronica Mars, and Disney's Cruella. But beyond her memorable acting across film and TV, her latest manifestation is publishing two children's books, which launched this past November. These empowering picture books, Little Black Girl and Little Black Boy, celebrate the joys of being a child and encourage black boys and girls to follow their wildest dreams. So we are so thrilled to have Kirby Howell Batiste join us on this episode. So sit back, relax, and enjoy our Black Girl Nerds interview with Kirby Howell Batiste. Welcome to the Black Girl Nerd Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan, and I hope today you take away to be a little bit bold, right? To try something new, to dream a little bit, because I am so excited for my guest today. You know what? I became a fan of hers when Cruella DeVille herself called her up. Like, Cruella don't call up anybody, right? Like, you, she ain't messing with nobody, but she called her up and sat down right across from her, and I was like, okay, I need to know more. And then, for all my Sandman friends out there, she had the nerve to personify death herself. And I was like, whoo, now that's stepping out the box right now. That's being bold. So I'm excited to have her. You hear her laughing in the background. But you know, she's not only bold in like acting and film and movies. She's taking it to the world of books. She's a new author now. We're going to talk about the little black boy, little black girl, and talk about how she's encouraging these beautiful brown and chocolate, highly melanated, beautiful kids to push themselves and dream a little bit bigger and do something different. So I am talking about actress, author, Kirby Howe Baptiste. How you doing, Kirby? Hi, Ryan. I'm sorry I messed up your intro. I was enjoying it so much. I was <laughs> no, you're good. You're good. I, I love it. I've never had it described. I liked it. It's almost like the audacity to play death. I loved it. Oh, yeah. That's how I felt. But it, it was so cool. And, you know, it's just a cherry on top that you're just like, you know, gorgeous, black, beautiful actress doing this, right? That's, that's just like, I can see somebody else, myself, on camera doing this. And it's just something bold and different. Um, you know, and I kind of wanted to ask you a little bit about that because I thought it was so cool. And and mentally, physically for you, is it is it difficult to kind of take on these roles or what people or what people perceive to be dark, like a darker role? Is that is that challenging for you? 
Yeah, well, it, it, you know, I think the challenge in, in personifying death was not how dark it was because Neil Gaiman wrote a death that is much more light and right. gentle and nurturing. So, but what it was, was finding the humanity and not, because, you know, you're not playing a, you're not playing Jenny from New Jersey or whatever, you know what I mean? You're playing, you're playing something that's harder to grasp. It's a concept, not like a a, a character, you know, like a, a typical character. Um, But for me, I think where I really delved in was, was I, I don't think I ever looked at or did as much research about death as I had done since, you know, since becoming that role. So that for me, and looking at the way different cultures treat death and their relationship to it and mourning and and afterlife and things like that. So that to me was like, was a challenge was taking on all of that and then still finding a way to, to make a character that was human or human feeling that also had to have this relationship with her, with her brother, you know, with a family member. And I think most people can relate to that big sister, you know, that sibling relationship, even if you don't have a sibling, but that sort of like, parental nurturing you know voice wisdom so that 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 was the challenge that was the um the goal both the challenge and the goal yeah because I didn't know anything about the show going in so just seeing that character I was like oh well this is not dark like I thought like this is something different like the the feel is different but you know it still makes that statement because it's like you know if you just think about the title of the character you're like okay let's go you know it's something different to kind of jump into and I, I really love that, actually, because there are long time Sandman fans. I mean, this thing has been around since the 80s. And then there are newer people like yourself who are saying, oh, I had no idea what this was. So I came into it completely, you know, with a sense of wonderment and let's see what happens. And then you got all these people on your screen that you didn't know or think of. And I think that's really beautiful. I mean, for me, everything I do is about bringing as much joy to whatever it is, be it playing death or be it being an author and writing these kids books it's for me it's all about what you're saying it's about joy and love and positivity and that that's sort of I believe like the only goal of being here yeah well I love it the the circles you move in is real gangster like I love how you can mix it up and like nobody knows you can play that like soft side and it's real cool um but you know I want to ask you though like speaking as we get into these books what was it for you that kind of made you want to follow your passion or what made you brave enough? Cause you know, you can be real passionate about something you're like, Oh, I want to do this, but you can see the obstacles. Right. And you're like, well, well, if I do this too much, that might not work. Or I don't, I don't really want to step out this box and try this. Yeah. You know, for me, I think in general, I lead from a place of passion and joy. And I think that, you know, like we always ask kids, what do you want to be? What do you want to be when you grow up? And I think that there's a valid question, but I think it can be really daunting because I know even as an adult, even as a grown up, there are so many jobs I had no idea existed. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know if anyone asked you, Ryan, when you were like, you know, 10 years old, what you wanted to be. And if if even if you knew then, would it be what you are now? And so I think no, it's I more know. important. Yeah. yeah, you know, it's you don't know where your life's going to take you. So I think it's more important to encourage people to follow their passions what are you passionate about what excites you what are you curious about and for me that this book became sort of like I have like a very symbiotic relationship with this book because for me this book was about following my passion and my curiosity I my niece was born and I felt like I had so much I wanted to tell her and so many things that you know I basically wanted to give her the cheat sheet you know things that it took me years to accept about myself love about myself know about the world recognize the things that have been put on me and I was like if someone just told me this at 10 years old it would save so much time and so for me I followed my passion in that 
And then I created something that I hope will allow other people, other kids, other young black kids to follow their passion and and figure out what whatever it is, whatever place they have in this world, whatever con- contribution that they are here to make. Hopefully, you know, my hope is that I can have some small part in that. Mm. Well, you know, speaking of small part, this is one of my favorite lines because we're going to drive into a little black girl here. Um, so she started with your niece. Um, and then so one of my favorite lines is said, you were born unique. None of us the same. Your only job, make them remember your name. And I thought that was so powerful. Just like, just, it's very tiny and you're like looking at the pictures and everything, but just for like a little girl to see that or to have their parents read that to them, especially a little black girl. And I and I was kind of curious, like what was going through your mind, you know, as picking like, cause you know, you're talking about a kid's book, right? So you want to make it short, sweet, cute, kind of get to the point. So how did you kind of pick out exactly, you know, those, those few lines that would make that impact? Well, yeah, I think the challenge in writing something that is so short, I mean, we all have so many things we want to say, but I think the challenge is in, is is boiling it down to the kind of almost like like the Ten Commandments, you know what I mean? Like yeah, boiling yeah. it down to something that people can can go like, okay, I understand these things. And for me, it was a lot of the things like, you know, when I went with that line, you know, you, you were born unique. One of the massive things I spoke to Paul Davey, our illustrator about was, you know, I want women in and then you know later in the in the men's book but I want women who look different like every sort of person I want covered in this book I want different shapes and sizes and complexions and I, because there is such beautiful depth to blackness that is barely explored in in what we currently have and I think we're you know with more voices we're trying to we're trying to get more of those those stories and those that that we're trying to see more of that nuance it's up to us to push it um and to show it so for me uh that's what that line was about and then the the make them remember your name you know it's not to me about fame or about you know people having to know you on a superficial level it's like what impact can you make like you know my nan passed away during the pandemic and the amount of impact she had on her community people that she took in foster kids like the amount of people that spoke to us and things that I learned about her after her passing and it's like no one will ever forget her no one will ever forget Nellie Brandy because of what she did so it's not that it has to be on this huge superficial fame level it's just the impact that you have in your community the place that you have like everyone has a place everyone is valid and it's interesting because you don't even know the impact you're having on people you don't know what how people see you and and the things you're which is sometimes good but sometimes it's you know it's it's interesting you don't even know how how much like this interview Ryan you came in with such great energy and so joyful like that will send me through the rest of my whole day but you might not even know that yeah. You know, so oh, well, I appreciate that. I, I, hope it does. I hope it does. Now, I hope it does because these, these books are these books are so cute, and you just imagine like I think imagery or um like imagination and just imagery is just so important. And you talk about the artistry, you can see a lot of books, right? And I feel like nobody is going to draw us essentially like us. You know, if you do your research and you do that and you find it out, fine. But sometimes you pick up a book and you're like, that they didn't look in at all at like features you know, how we would sit and just read a book, like just do your research on that little stuff right there. Um, can you kind of talk about, um, um, I know you I, I know you uh, mentioned the artist there for a minute, escaping my name um, for the- for Paul the, Davey. Paul Davey, yes, yes. Shout out to Paul Davey, fantastic job in these books. 
Um, but can you kind of talk about your 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 conversations there with Paul and like just kind of sitting down like, okay, this is important. Very important to make sure you know get the hair right, you know, the complexion, just the skin tone. You know, it's is 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 treated very delicate. You can tell. Yeah. Well, there's a couple of of, of uh, really simple but major points of of, of conversation that we had. Um, one of them was when we first drafted the, the 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 protagonist, the little black girl who takes us through the story, and and in an earlier draft, she had um, this is not not Paul's doing. It's really really light, but she had kind of like longer hair, mm-hmm. and her skin was just a little fairer. And I messaged him and I said, you know, Paul, can she have much shorter hair? And then we call them bobbles, but here they call them, you, you guys call them barrettes. You know, yeah. the, the things that we always yeah. wear to school. Yeah. And I said, you know, I want her to have this like youthfulness, this playfulness that is relatable to everyone, right? Like I said, mm-hmm. in England, we call them bobbles. You guys call them barrettes, but we all know what exactly what it is. We know yeah. what we're talking about. Um, and then I wanted her hair to be shorter because I think traditionally we are told, particularly as black women too, that we have to adhere to Eurocentric standards. So your hair has to be long. It has to be this. It has to be that. And I think that can be very tough as a kid when you feel like the way you were born doesn't match up to what you were meant to be when that's completely not true. And so I wanted to, to her to have short hair because I used to have short little, you know, I used to have my little bubble in and the short little braid. Like, <laughs> yeah. I think it's important to show girls. It's so beautiful and lovely. Your hair doesn't have to be long. It doesn't have to be yeah. this. It doesn't have to be, it doesn't, it genuinely doesn't have to be anything. And then the skin tone, it felt really important to me because when I was younger, I really didn't see a lot of, uh, positive examples of dark-skinned black women and I think even now if you look at the mainstream and you look at black representation a lot of it in tv and film um, as black people we are represented by the fairest of black people and so we are still sort of plagued with colorism um, even beyond you know people trying to sort of diversify and you know address racism we're still not addressing colorism and sort of eurocentric standards that we all feel that we have to adhere to but naturally I'm not the hair does not grow out of my head that way it's not a thing I can can do nor would I want to um and so th- that was in a re- really important conversation and then the other one is there's a panel where there are the three women and I was raised by my mum and my nan and I sent Paul a photograph of both my mum and my grandma in one of it's it's a photo of my nan that is one of my absolute favorites it was when she was in the Caribbean she's wearing that green and yellow dress that you see in the book yeah. And I sent those to Paul and he was like, I got you. And he put those in. And so, I mean, talk about representation at the highest level. Um, but that was always so important to me. That the, what, What's the point of making a book like this if people can't see themselves in it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's you can't say representation is important enough, you know, before like hopefully one day we won't have to say it. But right now we just got to keep saying it and and, you know, and doing like you said, if you're going to step out of the box, you do it all the way. You make sure, you know, you got your you say you got your nan represented. You make sure the you know, the black women are represented the way they need. Like everybody's different. It's not going to be one layer that you're looking at. Right. Um, but okay, so let's talk about the little black boy here, which I thought was just so perfectly timed. Um, you know, when you think about everything going on in the world, um, you know, and just like, sometimes you just hear, um, I'm not a mom myself, but sometimes you're just surrounded by like, if I'm listening to my aunts or something, just talking about like, you know, sometimes that fear of raising a little boy now in this day and age and you know, the things that they're facing. And I'm just looking at this book and I'm like, oh, this little boy just wants to be a marine biologist. And, you know, just seeing him kind of move his way through the sea and the, and the water, you know, so carefree. And I'm and I'm kind of wondering, you know, like where that story came from you for, and just like the research, like I'm just trying to think of, I can't even think of a black marine biologist's name off the top of my head. 
I couldn't either until we started doing the research for this book, which was like, again, you know, talk about remembering people's names. It, we, we Through doing this book, we learn about people that we've never. So I wrote, let me finish that thought, people that we had never, ever heard about or, or knew about. But the way this book came about and the way the marine biology came about is, you know, with Little Black Girl, we sort of went with this idea of robotics. And then it kind of just lent itself to the idea of STEM throughout. So we we took that over to to um little black boy but we didn't really know we didn't quite actually have the the stem piece until my boyfriend larry c fields who i co-wrote the book with um until he uh he had an aunt has an aunt who was a marine biologist and he was like you know when i was younger you know he was he put he sort of was guided a little more towards sports as a lot of young black men are and things like that but he loved science like really massively was his favorite subject loved doing experiments was so good at, and loved marine biology and that was going to be a, a path for him for a long time and he was like you know I just I would love that to be a thing and and I would love that to be a thing that young boys because I think it's not even really not necessarily even a world that young black boys are ever encouraged or guided towards you know like right. the sciences in general but the marine biology um so we we Picture idea to Paul and Paul loved it because it does lend itself to such beautiful artistry. And, you know, you've got these underwater scenes. And for me, there's such a sense of freedom in Little Black Boy that is in my it is sort of aspirational to me to what I hope young black boys feel and are able to feel because we live in a society where actually black men are not really allowed to be and feel free. Unfortunately, no matter what we say, there are all these little um so there's a lot of fine print you know right. there's a lot yeah. of fine print yeah. you and wear and this and that and say and 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 so you know we have these big expansive panels like where where the the boy is jumping into into the water and he's you know like trusting himself and taking this leap um and I I mean I absolutely I, both books I think are so amazing when they're together because they're tonally very different but also you can see that they're siblings that like you can see the way they work together um, but I think both of them express different things. You know, I think the the the, the um, little black girl, if you look at the panels and you look at the colors, it's a lot of purples. And, you know, you, you have that sort of like strength and that royalty. And the boys book is blue and it feels like it's more it's got this sense of adventure and wonderment. And those are the two things that I again, those are the themes and ideas that I hope to impart on young young black kids. Yeah, and if they just take one of those, it's just like tremendous to just just ride off that train, right? Yeah, that would just that would just be amazing. And by the way, the little black boy is a lot braver than me because you know what I'm not doing if I see like a shark or something like this. I'm just saying, it's going to be a wrap because I was looking at the pages closed because I was like... <laughs> Listen, it's aspirational. Not everyone can do it, you know? <laughs> Yeah, I love it. I love it. I was like, ooh, that would be a wrap for me. Like, I don't know, but he, you know what? I appreciate it. I appreciate the boldness of him stepping out. <laughs> All right, so tell everybody they have been out. You guys need to go check it out. Pick them up. Um, little black boy, little black girl. Do all the plugs. Tell them where they can go find it at. Yep, they are available. So they they came out on the 15th. They are available. They're ready for the holidays. Available wherever you like to buy books, online, in bookstores, Um order them for yourself they're great gifts you know we never wanted this book just to be for kids it's a great gift for someone who's graduating or starting a new job like who just needs those words of encouragement so pick them up oh yeah i'm a big kid myself and i definitely read this a couple times i'm just gonna be honest with you guys so yeah go pick it up check it out read it 
um, just for the imagery alone, like I, I just, I, I can't say enough about how important that is just to see something different, um, you know, that you're not used to seeing. So, okay, switching gears here for a little second here. Now, let me see how much you can tease for us because I saw you're working in this upcoming uh, high series called Culprit. Um, now, listen, this is why I'm pointing this out, guys. This for D for Disney Plus is like the first streaming, um, you know, UK original series, which I thought was so dope and so cool. And so I'm I'm just feeling like now I'm just this is me, you guys. I'm just feeling like now maybe you're going after the bad guys instead of you know putting your own little spin on it. But that's just me. <laughs> it will be more the less you know, the more enjoyable it is. But it is a it's an amazing show. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm, 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 I had a, we, we wrapped, I had a truly, it was one of the most exciting, thrilling, challenging experiences as an actor of my whole life. Um, I'm really, I, I'm actually really, really excited for the, for the world to see it. And the fact that it's, you know, it's, it's close to home for me because I literally shot it at home. So this is like dear to my heart. Um, and it's the first of the, of, of, you know, like you said, it's the first, Disney Plus, like original UK show, and it's so UK. I mean, the the sets and the locations, like I don't think anyone will have seen anything like this before. And I'm I'm very I'm I'm just grateful that I got to be part of it. You guys cannot see her face on this podcast, but it's like I'm like I want to see this so because she's like smiling and everything, and she's like, oh, I'm not gonna tell. Like you could just say she's like, I'm not gonna tell you, I'm not gonna tell you, but I'm like I'm so excited to see it because I can tell like I was like, oh, she she she's hiding some secrets there, but I'm excited. I'm excited to go to, to, to check it out. <laughs> She's truly professional. She's like, you're not breaking me right now. I got this. No, no way. No, but you know why? Because it's going to be more fun for you. I hate when people spoil things for me. It's more fun when you go in and you don't know and you're like, oh, okay. Like that's that's what we're doing here. That's entertainment, you know? Right, right. It's very, it's very true. Yeah, do not do not ruin the fun for me. I have to go check this out. You know, after Corona, no, this you is can't like... ruin the fun. I have to know these characters first. No. I got to go out and check it out. You know, the week Black Panther came out, well, uh, the, uh, Wakanda Forever, the week it came yeah. out, I was so busy. And then I had to cram it. I had to cram it in, like get it in like a late night showing because I knew if I didn't, it would be ruined for me. And I was like, oh, I have a small yeah. window to watch this before it is complete, before I can't even avoid it on the internet anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I did the same thing. I was like, I'm not looking at anything, any social media. Yeah, you know. So, yeah. When it comes to Black Panther, you can't look at nothing. Like, people were ready. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, let's stay on the superhero train a little bit here. But I'm, I'm going to twist it up a little bit because I feel like I feel like you would be like a like a cool villain that people would love to hang around. So, I'm curious if you would ever want to play, like, you know, like what, like, what villain would you want to play? Or, like, if you could be a friend to, like, a villain to kind of help them change their ways, who would you pick? Mm -hmm. Well, I will say I absolutely loved, I mean, I love playing Anita Darling because Cruella DeVille was one of my all-time favorite uh, mm -hmm. uh, villains because yeah. I loved, she was just this like very proudly unhinged woman and she owned every single part of herself. And I, even as a kid, I loved that. And I remember like seeing the cartoon with her driving, she had that wild hair, yes. which to me, with, yeah. like I can relate because my hair you know her hair grew upwards like ours does you know so yeah. I, I love that and Anita was was like you know and who knows where where that story goes but playing you know a, a friend or a psychic or even an mm -hmm. adversary to that character for me was such a joy um and continues to be a joy that I that I got that I am you know Anita darling that's yeah you know um but yeah, I've never played like an out and out. I would love to. I'm I'm down to play an out and out villain. I think yeah, I could do it really yeah. well. 
Yeah, I think you could too. You're like on the cusp of it. So I was like, they got to take her all the way. Like, I want to see this. They got to take her. They got to take her there. Yeah, you got to, it's nice, I think, to dip your toe and be in that bag because you can act in a way that you could never act in real life. Right. And I wouldn't want to act in real life. But, you know, on set, I, I would love that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, because you're incredibly sweet right now. But I feel like you could turn that, like, what's the, what's the, yo, action? I feel like it would be, it would be, it would be another level. <laughs> and I'm on the cusp of Libra Scorpio. So I got a little sting. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, Kirby, this has been so much fun talking to you and I cannot wait to check out culprits. Just really anything you got going on. I hope people go check out and, and check out these beautiful books. Little black boy, little black girl. You guys go like local bookstore. Go check it out. You know, Barnes and Nobles. Get your copy. You know, it's great for the holidays. I know you guys still need some stuff on the list. You know, start that Christmas shopping. Yep. 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 Get it in. <laughs> Thank you so much, Kirby. I appreciate it. Thank you, Ryan. Take care. Have a lovely day. The Black Girl Nerds podcast is produced by Jamie Brodnax and Ryan Bennett. The opening theme song to our show is written and performed by Samus. Various instrumentals are performed by Samus, Sky Blue, and Shubzilla. You can find episodes of the Black Girl Nerds podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play Music, Stitcher, and Spotify.